Good morning. Welcome to Plaza. My name is Daniel, and I'm the pastor here. I want to thank you for joining us, and so grateful that you take time out of your schedule uh, to hang with us here digitally as we're still navigating digital church. Uh, But we are always encouraged because the church has always been the people. So we are continuing to do ministry. Uh, As you saw from uh, the video there from the Crisis Pregnancy Center, we're continuing to support them and uh, really appreciate the work that they do here in our um, community. Uh, Also, just want to welcome all of you who are first-time guests, your very first time here. Thank you for joining us. Um, And we have a text line. You're welcome to text us. It goes right to our office. And uh, you can just text the word CONNECT to 757-239. 3993. And uh, so again, your first time here, love uh, not to spam you, but just an awesome way to answer questions about faith, about your spiritual journey, about what it means to make Plaza your home. And also for everybody, you can text the word pray. You have a prayer request, I'd love to pray for you. And so you can just text that into that same number, the word pray, P-R-A-Y to 757-239-3993. As we are in this series uh, called Abide. We start the year of January learning how to abide, and the title of this message is Abide Prayer. This is the way. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's this uh, sort of idea taken from a um, Star Wars series, if you will, called The Mandalorian, where they have this code of living, and they say, this is the way. This is their code. They have um, a code of honor. They have several different codes, actually, of ways that they live, and then when they get together and they remind each other, they say, this is the way. And how that kind of ties in with the Bible is that in the first century, uh, before Christians were ever called Christians, they were called followers of the way. Why would they call them followers of the way? Because they followed the ways of Jesus, the ways of Jesus. And so we are following the way and, and abiding this idea uh, of connecting with God, staying, abiding. And that word abide there means to live in, to dwell to remain. And Jesus, uh, in the passage we have been studying in, in the Gospel of John, he gives us idea of an ancient, um, you know, sort of easy agricultural thing that people would see all over the place, a grapevine. Many people had them and, and saw them frequently. And he says, listen, there's a big grapevine, and then off of that are all these branches, and then the grapes come off of that. And he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And uh, in modern day terms, we might, it might be easier to understand that Jesus is the trunk of the tree, and we are the branches of the tree. So he would be the trunk, and we are the branches. It's where we gain our nutrients, where our strength. And if you sever a branch off of the trunk of the tree, it will wither and die. And this is this idea is that we as Christians, followers of the way, have to be uh, abiding, staying connected to him. And so we talked about abiding through the word of God and making sure we set aside daily time. How have you been doing with that, by the way? Daily time in the Bible, using uh, memorizing the scripture, reading, studying, uh, meditating on it, and most importantly, applying the scripture. I hope that you make that a regular habit. This is the way. Uh, a Christian who is not reading his or her Bible um, is in serious trouble. And so um, this message is going to be talking about prayer, sort of this second connection here where um, reading the scriptures is hearing the word of God. Well, prayer is where we get to talk with God, where we get to commune and build our relationship with him. And so go ahead and put that in the chat. Put prayer, this is the way. Prayer, this is the way. Prayer is important for the believer. And we need to be praying together and, um, and praying as individuals. 
I want to read to you a prayer here in just a moment and uh, see if you can guess who prayed this prayer and, and what time frame it came from. When I read it uh, this week, I thought, man, this is so fitting for our time. And so we'll put it on the screen and here's what the prayer says. I'll read it aloud to you. It says, most gracious and all wise God, before whose face the generations rise and fall, thou in whom we live and move and have our being. We thank thee for all thy good and gracious gifts for life, for health, for food, and for raiment, for the beauties of nature and human nature. We come before thee painfully aware of our own inadequacies and shortcomings. We realize that we stand surrounded with the mountains of love and we deliberately dwell in the valley of hate. Woo, boy, that one will hit you hard. Can we just read that again? We realize we stand surrounded in the mountains of love and we deliberately dwell in the valley of hate. We stand amid the forces of truth and deliberately lie. Woo, another one that is hard to hear. We are forever offered the high road and yet we choose to travel the low road for these sins, O oh God. Forgive, break the spell of, of that which blinds our minds, purify our hearts that we may see thee, O God, in these turbulent days when fear and doubt are mounting high. Give us broad visions, penetrating eyes, and the power of endurance. And I just want to stop right there. And um, boy, can you guess who prayed that prayer or when they prayed that prayer? And just thinking about that last line there, the power of endurance. Uh, you can throw out some guesses there in the chat or put it uh, on the, uh, say it in your living room. You know, have a little family competition, see who gets it and give them a prize afterwards. I don't know. Well, that prayer was prayed in the early 1960s and was prayed by none other than Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who we celebrate his birthday this Monday. And, um, and it's important to remind ourselves uh, that Dr. King was a pastor. He was a man of the scriptures, and he was one who spent time soaking and reading the word of God and praying. And uh, man, what a fitting, powerful uh, prayer. And I just, I just feel like, especially with all that we've been through in 2020 and now 2021, um, man, we need prayers like this. We need men and women to step up and pray these kind of prayers honest prayers, authentic prayers, powerful prayers. And, um, and, and uh, people have made comparisons between um, uh, what we've experienced here in 2020 and the 1960s and the civil rights movement. I mean, and, and we've dealt with um, a worldwide pandemic. We've dealt with uh, the, the continual racial injustices that our country is still dealing with and, and having to process and work through. And then we're dealing with a very divisive political season. And, uh, and even just last week, the storming of our Capitol building. I mean, um, and one of the things that others have noted, I haven't been the first one to note this, but many others have noted this. And they've said, you know, the difference between what happened back in the 60s and what's happened now 
is that we see a lack of spiritual voices. We see a lack of the mentioning of God in our civil discourses. There is nobody at the rallies. There is nobody at, uh, in the government levels. There are no faith leaders. Uh, there are no political leaders standing up and saying, listen, America, we need to fall on our knees and pray. We need to ask God to forgive us of our sins. And here is Dr. King praying so eloquently saying, we come before thee, God, painfully aware, painfully aware of our own inadequacies. I love that humility there. He didn't say, God, we come before you because all of those other people are doing such uh, wrongs. No, he, he was smart enough and wise enough to know, listen, we're all sinners in this together and we come painfully aware. We, we are, you know, uh, standing surrounded by the mountains of love and we choose, hey, we are standing in, in the, the beauty of truth and we choose to lie. And, and man, where are the faith leaders? And I have been lamenting that, you know, the faith leaders in our country have not stepped up and, um, and, and spoken up for, hey, we need to repent. America, turn to God. Instead, they've spoken up about political things or they've spoken up about, you know, um, uh, their supposed scientific beliefs. And no one is saying, America, turn to God in the midst of all of this. And it is disheartening. And I, I think that's a struggle. And so where are the prayer rallies? Um, and I was reading, again, just studying. Uh, there was the prayer pilgrimage for freedom in 1957. There are many well-documented uh, cases of people praying, praying uh, on the buses, not just uh, doing and, and sitting on the buses and, um, and, and going to the counters and, uh, and the restaurants. They were praying in fact, there was um, one noted context in Bessemer, Alabama, where a man was kneeling on the sidewalk with his arms uh, hanging loose as he raised his head in a falling rain, praying outside of where Dr. King was in jail at. Where are the prayer warriors of our time? Well, I hope they're part of Plaza. I hope that you would count yourself in the people of prayer because prayer, this is the way. This is the way Christians connect with God. This is the way we do our greatest work. And, um, and I know often what happens in my life and, and many other people I know is that we talk a lot about prayer, but we don't actually do a whole lot of praying. Have you ever been guilty of that? I have. I'm a preacher. I'm, I'm preaching on prayer right now. And, uh, and God has been asking me and convicting me, how is my prayer life? And I'm going to ask you that question throughout this message. How is your prayer life? Here's another quote from Dr. King uh, that I want to share with you. He says, one of the greatest tragedies of life, one of the greatest tragedies of life is that men seldom bridge the gulf between practice and profession, between doing and saying. Wow. Men seldom bridge the gulf between practice and profession, between doing and saying. What is, what is he uh, trying to communicate there? He's saying there's a gulf, there's a chasm between what we say and what we do, what we practice, and what we preach. And he says, man, this shouldn't be when it comes to prayer. Again, uh, a final quote from Dr. King. He says this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian who is not praying is not possible because it would be like a person who is alive without breathing. And I don't know about you, but breathing is highly important for me and for you. You can't exist without it. 
We just came back from Williamsburg. We were there, and, and uh, praise God, we traveled through the, the, the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel. We like to play a little game with our kids, and uh, we go through the tunnel. We say, all right, everybody hold your breath because we're underwater. And uh, it's amazing, uh, you know, modern marvels that we can go through all these bridges and tunnels in our area. Um, and I know you don't say that around 3 o'clock uh, in the afternoon when you're trying to get through the tunnel, but, you know, uh, we were cruising through the tunnel at this point. And, um, and this is kind of a fun little game. I don't know why we play that game with our kids, but we like to say, <gasps> Everybody hold their breath. And if you've ever tried to hold your breath, boy, it's a real difficult thing. In fact, if you continue to hold your breath, your body will hit the reset button and knock you out, and then God will start the breathing for you because you need oxygen to survive. How important is oxygen? How important is prayer? We need prayer to survive. We need the Word, and we need to commune with God. We need to have a conversation with Him. And that's really as simple as prayer is. It is a conversation with God. And so I want to ask you, how is your prayer life? Now, some people say, well, pastor, are you saying that prayer is a duty? Uh, prayer is a command? And uh, it sounds kind of legalistic if you start talking about how is my prayer life and all that sort of stuff. And to say to be a Christian, you know, um, who's not praying is, is to be like alive without breathing. It sounds like you might be getting into some legalism there. Well, I love what uh, pastor and author John Piper says about this. He said, yes, prayer is a duty for the Christian. Um, and prayer is a duty, something we have to do in the same way that putting on a mask and an oxygen tank and a respirator is a duty for a scuba diver, something he needs to do in order to survive. Prayer is a duty in the same way that it is a duty the way that pilots listen to the air traffic controller. Prayer is a duty in the same way that soldiers would clean their rifles and load their guns in war. Prayer is a duty the way a hungry person would search for and eat their food. Prayer is a duty the way a thirsty person would look for and drink Gatorade or water when they are hot and working hard. Prayer is a duty in the same way that a deaf man would put on his hearing aids so that he could hear. Prayer is that kind of duty, but it's a necessary duty. It's a life-giving duty. Prayer is a duty in the same way that a diabetic takes their insulin. Prayer is a duty in the same way that Winnie the Pooh looks for honey. I love that one. That was my favorite quote there. Prayer is a duty in the same way that pirates, Jack Sparrow, look for gold. Prayer it's not legalistic. It's not legalistic to eat three times a day, is it? It's not legalistic uh, to sleep every night. It's something you need in order to function. No one says, oh, you're being legalist. Uh, you're, 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 you're just getting too into ritual there, you know, when, when you eat three times a day or when you sleep every night. Well, you know, I mean, if you want to put that to the test, well, then why not mix it up? Sleep every other night. Sleep every five nights. See how that goes for you. It doesn't go very well. So prayer is so necessary. And um, so, again, I want to ask you, how is your prayer life? Seriously. And I know most of us, this is how we pray, right? Um, we may say a little quick prayer in the morning. Uh, we may pray before a meal or a couple meals. Uh, we may, um, you know, uh, toss up um, a memorized prayer or maybe even kiss God goodnight before we get in bed with a quick little prayer. But listen, how many of us really have a dedicated time of prayer? This is the way for Christ followers, is that we dedicate some time during our day. I don't know what that means. I don't know how long that is, uh, but I know that we need to have, and we, and we find Jesus throughout the gospel saying he got away, he got away from others, and, um, and he went and he met with the Father. And listen, I just believe it this way. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. So let me ask you again, how is your prayer 
life. Boy, as a church, I came across this quote by the famous uh, preacher of yesteryear, E.M. Bounds. He's written much on prayer, and I love what he says here. E.M. Bounds says this, what the church needs today, we'll put this quote on the screen, what the church needs today is not more machinery or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men and women, he would add, of prayer, men mighty in what? Prayer, men mighty in prayer. This is what the church needs, men and women of prayer. Not, not always better machinery and better um, you know, methods, but men and women of prayer. Oh, how I long for Plaza to continue to be a place of prayer, to be people of prayer, knowing that God moves when we pray, when we pray for our city, we pray for the sick, we pray for one another. God answers our prayers. And um, the story is also told uh, about John Knox. He was a Scottish preacher. And uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, was the ruler at that time. And, uh, and Scotland was in all kinds of turmoil. And, um, and John Knox was just a man of prayer. And he knew, he said, I can't accomplish anything. I'm like a worthless dog. In fact, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm not even good as a worthless dog. I'm a dog who can't even bark or bite. Now, that's a totally worthless dog. But it was said of John Knox by Mary, Queen of Scots. She said this. She said, I fear John Knox's prayers more than an army of 10,000 men. And that's some powerful prayers there, amen? And so uh, the text that was read earlier, again, if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Matthew 6. We're going to work through just the first couple of verses here. And, and the second part, which we'll get to, Lord willing, next week, is probably very familiar to people, um, often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, or maybe some people know it as Our Father. And um, um, we're going to look into that. We're going to look at the verses preceding to that. And, and, and before we get to that, uh, part of the text there, and so again, if you haven't had a chance to grab uh, a Bible, do that and find Matthew 6. Or if you're watching on our website, you can swipe over and there's the Bible there because we really want you to be able to see the Word of God. Not just take a preacher's opinion for something, but you get in God's Word yourself. And so um, we're going to look at that text here, and he's going to give us some do's and don'ts for prayers. It's important for, for me to let you know that um, this is happening. Um, the disciples actually asked Jesus. We find that in another passage um, in the other gospel of Luke. The disciples come up to Jesus, and they ask him, and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so it's helpful to know the context of how Jesus responds to them. He says, okay, I want you, I'm going to teach you how to pray. This is I'm a, here's my teaching on prayer. And of course, Jesus lived and modeled prayer in many different ways. Uh, but we see that here. And we're going to give you some do's and don'ts. The first uh, do here is this. Number one, you can write this down. Do pray, do pray, but don't pray like a hypocrite. Do pray, but don't pray like a hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite is? Someone who says something and does something completely opposite. And um, someone who acts so spiritual, but they're not so spiritual. Do pray, but don't pray like a hypocrite. And Jesus's eyes, again, prayer is like breathing. And the expectation for the Christian is that we would be people of prayer. Let's look at the text here in a couple of verses. Notice verses five and six. He says this, verse five, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Let's just pause there for a second. Notice he said, when you pray, not if you pray. Again, the expectation is there is that we would pray, right? And we would make it regular, right? Uh, when you pray, not if you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that what? They may be seen 
by others. That was their whole deal. They, they wanted to be the center of prayer. He says, truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full, right? That's the first verse there. Uh, these, these hypocrites are people who, who make prayer not about their connection to God. They make prayer all about them. They want to be seen by others. They want to be thought of well by others. Aren't my prayers so special? Don't I have the best prayer words? Aren't you impressed with my prayers? And no, no, God and Jesus value the, the quiet prayers, the prayers that happen in private, the, the prayers that happen uh, that are simple, they don't have to be complex. In fact, we're going to get into that here in just a second. But God is saying, do pray, but don't be like a hypocrite. Don't make prayer all about you. Prayer is really about God. And prayer is about you hearing God and connecting with God and continuing to abide and stay in that relationship. And so, yes, we should be praying all day long. In fact, the Bible says pray without ceasing. Pray without stopping. Pray all day long. Breath prayers. I love breath prayers. When you're driving in the middle of work, oh, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord, I'm trusting in you. Uh, you know, those are so helpful. And, not or, and we need a dedicated time of prayer. He's saying, when you pray, just don't pray like the hypocrites. Look at the next verse there, right? He goes on to say this, verse 6. But again, when you pray, when you pray, so he's, he's assuming here a dedicated time of prayer in a dedicated place. And when you pray, go into your room, go into your room and do what? Shut the door, shut the door. And pray to your father. Why? Your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's saying, shut the door. You need to get some privacy in there. You, you need to have some alone time where you're not distracted, right? Because again, I mentioned this uh, the other week. It's not the devil who distracts us from much praying. It, it's our own um, hearts. It's good things that distract us. It's just a telephone call from a friend. It's our mobile devices that chirp and bing and buzz with notifications from every app known to man. It's the dust on the blinds that will distract you from prayer. It's your cat that will jump in front of you and want to play when it's time for prayer. Um, those are all good things. And Satan will use the good things to distract you from praying. He said, listen, get to a place where you can be distraction-free. Go into the room, if you have one, and, um, and, and shut the door. Again, this is not literal, uh, but the point is here that we would be in a distraction-free environment. Because again, this is a dedicated time of prayer. No, there are breath prayers happen all day long. When you're at your cubicle, when you're dealing with your kids, when you're in a doctor's office, right? Those happen all the time. But there needs to be a regular time of prayer where you shut the door, where you get quiet before the Lord. I love the idea. Someone has mentioned it to me, um, and, and they just set out a, another chair uh, in front of them in their room, and they just picture God sitting in that chair, and they have a conversation with God because all prayer is is just talking to God like you would talk to a friend. And so that's a great idea. Now, again, um, uh, one reason to shut the door when you're doing that is because your kids come in, walk in, you, uh, walk in and see you talking to a chair with nobody in it. They're going to think you're a little bit loony. And they might have you committed, all right? But it's not a bad idea to do that. It's just that reminder. You need some privacy so that when you need to just get real with the Lord, you don't have to be distracted or worry about what somebody else thinks. And so, man, do pray. Do pray. And, and, and get alone for prayer. Shut the door. But don't pray like the hypocrites who want to make prayer all about them, right? Uh, who want to be seen and heard by others. Prayer is not about impressing people. Not about impressing God even. Just make it simple. So do pray, but don't pray like the hypocrites. Uh, point number two um, is, is really this. Do pray using a loose structure, but don't pray by reciting meaningless words. Do pray using a loose structure, 
But don't pray by reciting meaningless words. It's not wrong to use a structure. It's not wrong even to pray someone else's words. But listen, if they're meaningless words, that is a problem here. Because again, prayer is, is more about a, a conversation and less about a ceremony. Prayer is less about a ritual and more about a relationship. Amen? Relationship over ritual. Conversation over ceremony. And so do pray using a loose structure but not just repeating meaningless words. Why do I say loose structure? Oh, because I find that a loose structure is helpful to keep me from wandering off, right? My little ADD brain will start thinking about the dust on um, the blinds there where I'm praying at. No, I haven't dusted them for so long and blah, blah, blah. And I'll go down a rabbit trail and, and be over in left field thinking about the price of tea in China, you know, and um, all, all from dusty blinds. And I won't spend the time in prayer. And so, listen, a loose structure helps me stay focused when I'm praying. And so we'll talk about that, and I believe uh, the next part of the verses here give that loose structure. Um, but the, the ideas here, don't pray just these repetitious words. Look at the text here, uh, verse 7, look what it says. It says, and when you pray, again, when, this is the third when, not if, right? And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases there, empty phrases. When you're praying, it's not just empty. It needs to be a meaningful conversation. He says, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many what? Words. They think the reason God is going to hear them is because they have used certain words, particular words, the right words, or many words. And he goes on to say this, do not be like them, verse 8. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. Then he goes on to say, and pray then like this. Well, I just want to kind of pause here on a couple of things here. Number one, it's not wrong to keep asking. Sometimes people say, well, pastor, I read that verse. Does that mean I can't keep asking for healing for my, uh, for my loved one? Uh, you know, I, is it wrong to continue to bring that to him because it says don't heap up these empty phrases, don't keep asking? No, no, no. You can keep asking for the same thing. In fact, over in Matthew 7, Jesus encourages, if you ask and you don't hear, then knock. And if you knock and you don't hear, um, you know, then, then go. Check out the door. Ask, seek, and knock. And, um, and so that's important. Uh, bringing the same thing to God is, is not a bad thing. Uh, bringing repetitious words that are empty and hollow of meaning, well, that is the problem. And the interesting thing about the rest of the verses here that are, I find so ironic is that the rest of the verses, verses 9 through 13, where we'd say, Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That portion which many people have memorized. And praise God, uh, you have memorized that. But some people just pray that with meaningless words, and they don't really mean anything. And, and I believe that that is the loose structure. And Lord willing, next week we're going to kind of unpack those verses there and see the loose structure that God wants us to have. Um, but again, notice what he said in verse 9 there. We'll put that back up on the screen. Verse 9, he says, pray then like this. Pray then like this. He didn't say pray this exactly. And again, um, using that and memorizing that's not a bad thing. And praise God if you grew up in a church tradition where you did memorize that. I mean, um, I, I, I've memorized that and it's helped me, but it helps me as a loose structure so that I can pray sort of intimately with God um, without wandering here. And so two simple things for this week as we think about how is your prayer life? How is your prayer life going? Do you have a dedicated time and place? Just like um, the keys to success in spending time abiding with the word, you need a plan 
and you need to persevere because you're going to miss days, right? You need the same thing for your prayer time. You need a plan. When are you going to pray? Uh, who's going to be around? Set aside and dedicate that time. Again, a lot of prayer doesn't happen simply because we don't make a plan. So what is your plan? Plan for praying and set aside. It might just be two minutes. It might just be slow breathing, breathing in the Holy Spirit, breathing in the truth of God. You may just want to pray a psalm. That may be very helpful for you, using a psalm to pray over that. Read it and just pray that back to the Lord. That's okay. That's not a vain repetition because sometimes the, the psalms help express what's going on in our heart. Again, prayer is as simple as a conversation. If you can talk to a friend, you can talk to God. You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to have a magical formula. There is no right words, no magical formula. You could say, hey, God, I don't really know how to do this, but I know that you hear me, and I know that you want to talk to me. Isn't that amazing? The God of the universe wants to talk to you, sir or ma'am. Uh, child, teenager, God is sitting, waiting, wanting to hear from you. And oftentimes we wander away from him. As I heard one little story about Jesus, you know, kind of coming into the room of our hearts, as we often say here around church, right? Jesus comes into the room of our hearts and we're so busy going about our day, going about the other rooms of our house. And Jesus is there waiting for us in the living room saying, man, I'd just love for you to come and sit down. Let's, let's catch up. Just sit down on the couch, relax, and let's tell me how your day is going. That's the words of Jesus. He wants us to pray to him over and over again. We see in the scriptures, come to me, come to me. Man, I, I long for you to pour out your hearts, pour out your hearts, cast all your cares upon me. We see it over and over again that the God of the universe wants us to pray. Wow. And so will we take the time to do that this week? Would you make that your uh, goal for this week? Get that plan? And, and look, persevere, because you're, you're going to fall off the plan. It's okay. But just continue to persevere. And when you pray, you know, uh, number one, do, do pray. Don't pray like a hypocrite. Number two, do pray using a loose structure. Use, use something that will help you. But don't just heap up meaningless words and just repeat something that's dead. Have a conversation with God. Lastly, as we close, I know I want to think about those who, who might be saying, well, pastor, um, you know, I don't really know God in that way. Those who I'm speaking to are those who are not Christians. Now listen, many people think they're Christians, uh, but in this text here, we're warned about two groups of people. In this text, we're warned about the hypocrites, right? In, in the first verse, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. That's the first group of people. And that's the religious folks who think they know God. They think they impress God with all of their good deeds, with all of their religious outfits, with all of their religious talk. And he says, in fact, Jesus would say this to people at the end of the age, he would say, away from me, I never knew you. And these people would reply to Jesus and say, Jesus, didn't we do this in your name? Weren't we at this church event? Didn't we do all this stuff? Didn't we tithe? Didn't we do all this stuff? Didn't I watch online services? Jesus says, away from me. I never knew you. I don't want anyone watching this to ever experience that. Uh, and the choice is up to you to hear Jesus say, away from me, I never knew you. Boy, that would be a tragedy. And so there are some hypocritical religious folk who know all of the right answers, but don't know God personally. You may know this prayer inside and out. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You may know that prayer inside and out and don't know God at all. And he would say to you, I don't know you. You might know his name, and, uh, but you have never, listen to me, given your life to him, surrendered your life to him. It's all religion. It's all ritual. But you don't actually know him like a person, like a friend. We'd love for you to give your life to Christ. The second person that he, he warned us not to be like is the Gentiles, right? He said, don't be like the Gentiles in verse 7, right, uh, who 
use these empty phrases. Now, what are the Gentiles? These were basically people uh, who are not believers. They didn't believe in the true God uh, or they believed in false God. And they think, listen, the way to impress God is, is by using this formula. And, and they don't uh, know him again personally. And so uh, don't be like the Gentiles who don't know God, who don't have a relationship with God. And, and don't be like the religious folks who are all caught up on ritual. Be a person who knows for sure that you have a relationship with God, a connection with him. What does it take, you say, to get that connection, Pastor? It's as simple as praying, simple as talking to God. And as simple as the Bible says this, if you repent, meaning turn from your sins and believe, trust God and embrace him, follow Christ, love Christ with all of your heart, he would save you. All of your sins would be forgiven. In fact, one of the important things to remember is as we think about praying is, I just need some folks to know. Listen, God won't hear some of your prayers. What? You say, Pastor? Yes. The Bible says very clearly several times, God doesn't hear the prayers of the wicked. If I regard iniquity in my heart, you won't hear me. And, and the Bible has said that all human beings have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and when we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that means we love sin more than we love God. And until we have been reunited with God in that relationship, we've repented and turned from our ways and embraced God's ways. Man, we, <laughs> he, he won't hear us. But you know what he will hear from you? Hear, hear, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I'm sorry, rescue me. He'll absolutely hear that from any person, man, woman, boy, or girl, regardless of your past. The reason he came, the reason he wants you to pray and connect with him. Jesus came all the way from heaven to earth. Boy, so that he could be reunited. Look at the long way he went. Look at the cross that he went to. He did all that for you, sir or ma'am. So we'd love for you to take a moment right now and just have a conversation with God. Again, we, we say this prayer often at our church. And, um, and many people have prayed it with meaningless words. They didn't actually mean it. There's no magic in this prayer. But boy, if you mean this, your life would change like that. And you could begin that relationship with God. Begin talking to him and he hears you. And so you might want to say just something like this. You could repeat this. After me, again, if it expresses a desire of your heart, God hears you. You might want to say something like this, Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you. I admit that I've sinned against you. God, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. But I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose again on the third day. I believe you rose again on the third day. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. I give my life over to you. Give my life over to you. And I turn from my sin. I turn from my sin. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for hearing me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you meant it, whoo, angels in heaven are rejoicing. They are throwing a party. The Bible says God leaves the 99 and goes searching for the one. Uh, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one lost sinner who comes home. God has been looking for you, and, and we are rejoicing with you, and all of heaven is rejoicing with you when you've come home. And so welcome home. There's a notification in the chat. Love for you to let us know by clicking the raise hand there or fill out a connection card. Love to help you grow in your faith. And so uh, may we continue to be people who are connecting and abiding with God because abide through prayer. This is the way. Christians without prayer is like someone who says they're alive without breathing. And so dedicate that time this week and daily to prayer. Lord willing, we'll see you next week. We love you, church. Mary Beth. You trying to distract me?
Oh, I got all my helpers here. Can you say hi? Hi. 